0: DB Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I must say, podcasting with Dean is not exactly a bed of roses, is it? And I'm Dean
1: Jeffrey, and I wonder how it would have gone to propose to my now wife by saying, I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. I was legit going to do something about the proposal. <laughs> I don't even know what yours is in reference to. Did they... Did they talk about a bed of roses?
0: The the quote was, I must say, married with Max is not exactly a bed of roses, is it?
1: I mean, that's probably one of your all-time worst quips, Hendo. And coming from me, that's saying something.
0: (laughs) And today we're breaking down the Alfred Hitchcock Best Picture winner, Rebecca.
1: As always, with these breakdowns, we will be spoiling it from the get-go, so if you haven't had a chance in the last 80 years to see Rebecca, you've been warned.
0: And with that being said, let's get into Rebecca. Rebecca released in 1940 directed by Alfred Hitchcock his first American film American or Hollywood his first film when he came over to the states
1: Oh where did he come from England oh, I don't know like don't say it like that Jesus
0: Have you never heard Alfred Hitchcock before uh, He's uh, a British person I've heard
1: Anthony Hopkins before
0: That means absolutely nothing in this situation
1: I mean honestly it probably means something he probably did a British accent in God what was that Hitchcock? movie called
0: Was it called Hitchcock What, what was that Hitchcock movie called <laughs>
1: Oh, it's so forgettable. Idiot.
0: <laughs> All right. Rebecca is about a self conscious woman who juggles adjusting to her new role as an aristocrat's wife and avoiding being intimidated by his first wife's spectral presence. Starring Lawrence Olivia, Joan Fontaine, Judith Anderson, George Sanders, and Gladys Cooper. Do any of those names ring a bell?
1: Lawrence Olivia uh was Hamlet. Was that in the movie Hamlet? Yes, that won Best Picture. Oh well, there you go. I did not know that. I feel like that's what he's most known for. Not this? No. And I knew, I know him as like a Shakespeare guy. I think he did a bit of Shakespeare. Oh,
0: okay. Anyway, music by Franz Waxman, who was nominated 12 times. He won two awards for his music in A Place in the Sun and Sunset Boulevard. He also did the score for Rear Window and a film you watched quite recently. Okay, there you go cinematography by George Barnes, who got nominated eight times for his work, including one win for this film.
1: I mean, in fairness, the population was probably so much smaller in 1940, it was probably (laughs) the same 10 guys doing the same jobs in every film.
0: Wait, wait till I get to the Oscars, uh, how they went uh, for that year, because (laughs) there's some uh, facts and stats from 1940 that I didn't even know existed. I
1: can't wait, Hendo.
0: So in order to maintain the dark atmosphere of the book, Alfred Hitchcock insisted that this movie be shot in black and white. So he had that option for colour at this time, but chose to do black and white. I'm not against it. Yeah, it's not bad. So there were over 20 actresses who screen tested the role for Mrs. De Winter, which eventually went to Joan Fontaine. It was one of them was actually Vivian Lee, who was actually in a relationship with Lawrence Olivier at the time.
1: Yeah, I actually read that he was so annoyed that uh, his girlfriend didn't get the role that he was... Uh, you know, like, openly mean to Joan Fontaine.
0: Yeah, so much so that Alfred Hitchcock decided to capitalise on this by telling everyone on the set to hate her, and thus that made her quite shy and uneasy, which is what he wanted out of the performance.
1: Yeah, just casual bullying.
0: Now, get this right. Get this. Hitchcock... Get this right. Hitchcock was not allowed to be part of the scripting process by the producer, so apparently Hitchcock would not let the producer on this on the set.
1: Yeah, they they had a lot of tension between them. I read that uh, Hitchcock was actually editing uh, in film, like in camera, so that it was impossible for uh, this producer guy to come over the top and re-edit his film. He would also <laughs> he would also stop. Um, like ruin deliberately ruined takes that he knew he wasn't going to use, so that they couldn't be later used.
0: Wow, I mean, that's a guy who just wants to do the best he can with his work. Doesn't want to let, want to let anyone else, uh, you know, get involved. A true auteur. But this was released on the twelfth of April in nineteen forty, with a runtime of one hundred and thirty minutes and a tagline of "The shadow of this woman darkened their love." That's not bad. Yeah. Budget of about $1.2 million and worldwide gross $6 million. If you put that to inflation for these days, it was on a budget of $23 million and made $109 million.
1: So pretty good. Yeah. Especially considering what was going on in the world. Do elaborate. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, in the thick of World War II. I'm not sure that going to the movies was, uh, you know, in front of
0: everyone's mind. Maybe they needed that as an escape from what was going on. <laughs> Maybe they did, Hendo. Maybe they did. <laughs> All right, 11 nominations for Rebecca. Huge.
1: Yes. I'm pretty sure there were only eight categories that year
0: as well. I mean, that's clearly a lie. (laughs) It was nominated for nine that it didn't win. It was nominated for Best Special Effects, which it lost to The Thief of Baghdad. It lost Best Art Direction in the Black and White category, which it lost to Pride and Prejudice. It lost Best Original Score with 17 nominations for that uh, award that year, which it lost to Pinocchio. Lost Best Film Editing to Northwest Mounted Police. It lost Best Supporting Actress for Judith Anderson to Jane Darwell in The Grapes of Wrath. It lost Best Actress for Joan Fontaine, which she lost to Ginger Rogers in Kitty Foyle. I don't think I've said... uh uh, a movie twice so far. Lawrence Olivia lost Best Actor to James Stewart in The Philadelphia Story. don't think I've seen The Philadelphia Story. Have you?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I saw, I think it made me watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, and
0: that's a good film. It also lost Best Adapted Screenplay to The Philadelphia Story, and Alfred Hitchcock lost Best Director to John Ford for The Grapes of Wrath.
1: Ah, John Ford, the famous John Ford, the leading Oscar winning
0: director John Ford. That's right, this is one of them, obviously, but Rebecca won two awards that year. It won Best cinematography for black and white, and ultimately best picture.
1: I mean, if you're going to win
0: one, you just want best picture. Yeah, you got to win that one. And funny enough, there is a remake. Well, this this isn't so much. This this is this is adapted from a novel, of course. There is another remake of Rebecca coming out this year. This year, yeah, to Netflix, starring Army Hammer and Lily James.
1: Oh, I like Lily James. She was in Don't Like Army Hammer. (laughs) I mean, Army Hammer's okay. He's a bit of a peach, though, you know. I like it. Oh, of course <laughs> that was, you do. That was, good. that
0: was good. That was a good one. <laughs> All right, Dean. Rotten, uh, scores here. Critics or audience? Critics. Critics, 100%. Audience, 92 Pretty impressive. Metacritic, 86 Letterboxed Letterboxd, 4.1%. But let's take a look at the history of Rebecca in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted onto the very first list, 26th of April, 1996. That number 184, the highest it ever got to was at number 72 in mid-2006. And since then, it has just been on a very steady decline for the last 14 years to where it currently sits pretty close to the bottom at number 234 with an average of 8.0 over 120,000 votes.
1: I think it's fair to say its time is limited. It's on its way out. Hold on, let's go back to this 2020 Rebecca. Is it going to be called Rebecca?
0: Yes, there's a trailer out for it and everything.
1: Is it meant to be good or is it meant to be like a Netflix film starring Adam Sandler?
0: I think this is supposed to be a better kind of Netflix film than your typical Adam Sandler comedy. Is it going to be
1: like Ro- Roma levels of Netflix film? Uh, I wouldn't go that high. Is this going to win Best Picture? No. Has there ever been a remake to win Best Picture? Uh, the the Departed? Departed. The Departed, Hendo. Yeah, we said that at the goddamn same time. No, I'm pretty sure I was quicker. Uh, Yeah, that's just
0: the lag. There you go. (laughs) All right, mate. Let's get into this film. Do we talk about the titles or do we just go straight to the voiceover? No, let's go to the titles. Yeah. What'd you think? Pretty boring. Should have skipped them. All right, moving on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, this opening scene,
0: what did you make of it? I feel like the voiceover is probably something that's coming straight out of the book. Yeah, probably. Yep. They're really just talking about this Mandalay, it's in ruins. They're really setting up that this is where the film's going to end up.
1: Okay, I famously don't look up a lot on films that I don't know anything about. Okay, I try to avoid it. I did happen to stumble by the Rebecca IMDb page. And I did see that spectral word being used in the uh, description of this film's plot. I thought this was a ghost film going in. (laughs) <laughs> and this opening scene, this dreamlike scene, not dreamlike, this dream scene, uh, I thought this was Rebecca.
0: Okay. Did you think it was Rebecca? No, because I've seen this before. Granted, I don't remember, well, I didn't remember pretty much anything about it, but I knew it wasn't a ghost story and I knew it had something to do with a uh, a new relationship and the and the ex-partner. That's what I knew about.
1: I was so intrigued by this opening scene that when I finished the film... I went straight back to the beginning and watched this scene again. And what did you think? Yeah, it's really good. It's quite poetic. I think it's filmed really well. And I like that it does end on the Mandalay estate in ruins. Like, I didn't yeah. remember what was the state of the estate, the house. Was it destroyed? Yes, it was. So, it this is was. this is an older lady reminiscing on her past.
0: Yeah. thought it was good. But we flash back to the south of France- and we get Max here on the edge of the cliff, and we get a woman. It's, it's Maxim. Well, what's the woman's name? It's certainly not Daphne. I'll tell it's you that certainly much. not anything because we never find out her name. No, we don't. Which really annoyed me. Yes, I'm trying to find my notes. Like what what do I call her here?
1: Uh, do you know what I called her? Wife. Come on, you can you can do better than that. What do you think, me, having no idea what this film is about? What do you uh, think? Oh, you wrote you
0: wrote ghost.
1: I wrote Rebecca. <laughs>
0: You think that's how it's going to end? At, right at the end, after all this, they're like, as she's walking off into the, you know, the sunset. Hey, what's your name? She turns around, and was like Rebecca.
1: I, I mean, I thought this was Rebecca. The movie's called Rebecca. This woman's our main character. I was like, oh, this is Rebecca. I must have missed when they called her Rebecca. This is clearly Rebecca.
0: So, what what did you do when you found out that Rebecca was his dead ex-wife? Did you scrub you- all your notes, go back, change it all?
1: No, no, definitely not. I, I don't know. I've, she, you know, woman,
0: wife—who knows? Now they really try to set up that. Are you gonna? Have you got Maxim? It's Maxim. All right, you've got Maxim. Okay. Well, I am going Max. Did you? Like, I really, they really try to set up the fact that Max is ready to jump off the cliff here.
1: Yeah, uh, Maxim is an interesting man because uh, he does look like he's about to commit suicide, and she saves him, but. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. She saves him
0: by just, you know, happening to be walking past and not doing too much. Like, his shoes are away, and she's like, okay, and just leaves. Yeah, he's
1: very angry with her.
0: Well, he's she's in his personal space, all right?
1: Well, he's a man, and he can do what he wants, and she's a woman, yeah. and she must bow down to him at all times. Yeah, <laughs> this is ni- the 1940s. This is a strange time, Hendo.
0: Yes, it is. I have a lot of WTFs in my notes.
1: All right. Uh, so, what do we got? So, we're in the Monte Carlo restaurant or casino, I guess, here, and we get Edith, her name Edith is Edith Van Hopper. Yes. I am glad that she was not a huge part of this film.
0: See, this is what there's only been a couple of films that I haven't either watched or don't remember anything about. And when you're doing notes and you start at the start, like, okay, let's get into details. Yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're jotting down everything about the film, and then 10 minutes later, you're like, well, oh, this is this nothing. That's
1: so true.
0: This first 10 minutes is taking me 45
1: minutes. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I was like none of this opening stuff is is re- like not it's not relevant but this is an a slog to get through this stuff. Um, I was genuinely concerned for my well-being watching this opening act here at Monte Carlo like god this film yep. is so boring.
0: This whole first act in Monte Carlo is just basically they meet and get married. They meet and get married. Yep, that's, they, that's when you can sum it up.
1: Uh, I mean, we're probably going. We're going to.
0: We're oh, going. I mean, you can discuss it. You can discuss in detail. I mean, I've got a page of notes here. I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do all this work for nothing.
1: <laughs> I, lo- I love that Edith legitimately thinks that uh, her and Max are a possibility. That yeah. Max. Is secretly in love with her, uh, and, and this first meeting though, where Edith is just so so outwardly, you know, aggressive towards Max, and then once he walks away, she's like, "Oh, Maxim was clearly embarrassed by your forwardness." Yeah,
0: blames it on her. She's like, she said like almost nothing. So now we've got Rebecca at lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did make note of. Uh, when they are talking about her dad, I believe, was painting the same tree over and over, and she mentions that...
1: If you should find one perfect thing or place a person, you should stick to it.
0: I feel like that might come back. Like, this might be how, you know, this, this exact line of dialogue will come back later on as some sort of reference point to their relationship. And no, it doesn't. It's a very quotable line, though.
1: Uh, yeah. It's one of those lines where okay, this has much more meaning than just applies to what's being said here. Uh, I did like I did like the conversation about how uh, this woman is a paid companion for Edith, and he didn't realize that companionship could be bought. Really? I find it funny. It's just summing up that she has no friends. Who Edith? Yeah. I mean, it's not a companion though. This is not a paid friend. This is a paid servant or assistant is probably a better word
0: for yeah. it. Yeah. Now, when she's out doing the sketch of him, I thought that she was doing a sketch of the the uh, landscape, landscape, the environment. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you think that? Or did you think she was actually, uh, sculpt- like, sketching him?
1: No, I think it was definitely assumed she was sketching the countryside. Okay. And, and he sort of said, oh, why have you done that? There's better things you should be drawing.
0: I found it interesting that- she talks about you know drowning in the water, and he obviously gets he gets visibly upset and and basically storms off. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm pretty sure this would be, be you know he, he already mentioned how I think Edith mentions that he's uh, his wife has died. Yeah, and the fact that he gets so upset about this, I'm like, oh, she must have drowned. Two seconds later, oh yeah, his wife drowned. Like, well, well, you didn't have to tell us outright. You could have summed it up just from what you just saw like two seconds ago. Like, <laughs> spell it out to the audience anymore?
1: Okay, I, I really don't think that's, that's a big problem here. I don't, think, I don't think the audience is, you know, made to feel stupid. I think Hitchcock does respect the audience a fair bit here.
0: Yeah, but I think he didn't need to basically explain it for like three seconds later after we kind of got the idea of what, what this is about. How funny is Edith sending all the, the saucy letters to Max? He's a naughty man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why hasn't he replied?
1: Are you sure he's getting my correspondence? <laughs> I love that they're in the same hotel here, and yeah. they cannot, like, she cannot communicate with him.
0: Well, she's got the flu; she's she's bedridden. Yeah, but
1: I mean, how how you know how different times were back then. Even the simple the simple fact that uh, you know, the woman is the future Mrs. Man- uh, Mrs. De Winter, Mrs. Mandalay, The future Mrs. De Winter is going to leave and. If she doesn't contact him here, there's no way for them to see each other again. Like, they will just lose contact.
0: Yeah, she was fully prepared to go.
1: I mean, yeah, as she would be because she doesn't understand what his feelings are for her. Like, she knows how she feels, but she doesn't think that it's reciprocated.
0: There's a weird line of dialogue he says to her in the car when he's saying, like... Promise uh,
1: me not to wear black satin or pearls or to be yeah. 36 years old.
0: So, what? Why? What's wrong with that?
1: How can she promise that? I promise I will never die. (laughs) (laughs) So, I did look up how
0: old these people were in this film. Mm. How old do you think they are? Uh, I'd say late 20s. Which one? Both of them. Oh, do you mean the actors or the characters?
1: Uh, We'll go the actors. How old do you think the actors are?
0: Uh, Let's go 35 for him and 24 for her.
1: Okay, she's 23, and I think she is playing her age here.
0: Yeah. He is 32. Ooh, okay.
1: And I think he's playing mid-40s. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think they have put some grey in his hair to make him older here. Because looking at him and thinking, this guy is my age, is insane.
0: Looking at it now in this context where he's saying, don't be 36, do you think that is at the time that Rebecca was when they got together? What else could it be? Yeah, it has to be because when he said that, I thought it may have been because I di- I didn't know I completely forgot about this whole she you know the whole hatred between them and the fact that he oh did had, you she's yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot all about that oh good I told you I knew I knew bugger all about this film. The fact that he was saying that don't be thirty six, I was under the impression that that is when she died. Like she must be thirty six when she died, and he, he can't, he, he can't live with that.
1: Yeah, I think that's the
0: implication here.
1: I, I think it has to be.
0: But you did mention at the start, uh, you do hear the the worst marriage proposal ever.
1: I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool.
0: It's pretty awesome.
1: Uh, I was, I, I audibly laughed to myself when I I'm heard this. I'm asking you to
0: marry me, you fool. You little fool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what <laughs> and he says it from like the other room as well, yeah. and he's like, "Oh well, you've got to decide, you know. Do you come to man? Is, is
0: it Mandalay? Mandalay? Yeah, it's Mandalay. No, Mandalay,
1: Mandalay. Uh, you know, you've got to decide, Mandalay or New York." And she's like, "Oh, would I? Would I be there as your uh, receptionist or assistant?" He's like, "No, marry me." And then he immediately sits down and starts teaching her how he wants his coffees made for the rest of their life. I was like, "Oh my god, this is
0: this so shit is would an assistant not now." We had a farewell to Edith here. You know, she says her her blessings and she's off. And they're married. Boom.
1: I mean, thank God this wasn't a long scene. You know, I love that like the next scene. They're married. Here's some flowers. Yep. Let's go. And they're home. And that's act one. Actually, I did like, we did miss one uh one line that I enjoyed here from him, where she says to him that she's been crying all morning because she thinks she'll never see him again. And he says to her, I'll
0: remind you of this one day. You won't believe me. You have to grow up.
1: Now, when I heard this, I thought that this was more a reflection of how the relationship between uh, him and his, you know, dead wife must have been all bubbly and fun in the beginning, and turned yeah. sour. But,
0: um, like,
1: was it? I guess it would have been.
0: I don't know. I, d- yeah, I, th- I, th- th- I think I think she turns the moment like the moment they get married.
1: Yeah, it's like four days after uh, she yeah. turns and tells him, you know, whatever she tells him.
0: Yeah. So, they're home to Mandalay. They meet the crew here. Including... I mean, this is-
1: I know you, you have not seen Downton Abbey, have you? No. This is Downton Abbey. It's Mandalay. Right. This is Downton Abbey. This is a okay. giant house with a giant staff and no joke, Mr. Crowley is head butler in Downton Abbey. All right, then. Do they all treat the, the main wife like shit? No, but she's not a new person coming in. And no, they wouldn't anyway. They're very respectful. So this uh, Miss Danvers, hey? Mrs. Danvers. Who what is it? Mr. Danvers? Not around anymore. Yeah, she's a piece of work.
0: She is an interesting character.
1: Yeah, it's odd because uh, Mrs. DeWinter is obviously so scared of this woman and so intimidated by her. But everyone keeps telling her she's harmless. Like, she's nothing. And I was expecting her to be harmless and nothing,
0: but she's not. Oh, she's definitely not harmless. <laughs> she's the worst. <laughs> it's, like, a little bit further down here. Like, the majority of this part is, you know, Mrs. DeWinter's being timid and shy because, you know, she's afraid of her. And like you said, people say, no, nah, no, don't be scared of her. And so she finally doesn't become scared of her and grows a backbone and almost gets killed for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. right Oh, But uh, this this Mrs. Danvers, she, she loves the previous wife, Rebecca, doesn't she? obsession much?
1: Yeah, I mean beyond obsession.
0: Like the root, like the big room. They they talk about how they have their own separate rooms as well. Like the 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 man and the wife, they have their own separate quarters. Like, this is this is such a different time. I mean there are there are people now who have that. Not not as, you know, high profile as what they what they're showing here. What do you mean high profile? Like this the the, the new what the fuck's like De Winter's, Mrs. De Winter's? De Winter. Mrs. De Winter, she she acts like she doesn't know about this. She comes in because she's, you know, from the south of France. She's not used to this uh, prim and proper kind of life. And she comes in and they're like, oh, no, no, you have your own room too. Eh,
1: I didn't think too much about it. What I found odd was that I, I thought they were setting this area up as no one's allowed to go in there,
0: but then they are. Yeah, but I think that's just coming from Mr. Winter's perspective. Like, she, she's so afraid of, like, Mrs. Danvers has just gone on about, oh, you know, Rebecca, Rebecca, she's she was so good. She was lovely. This is her, this is her big room, and and it's and this big giant corridor, and that ominous music plays. I think that's just coming from Mrs. De Winter's perspective, like, oh, this is such a, this is such a a shadow that I need to overcome here. Yeah,
1: she's a real bitch. She's just like this is the most beautiful room in the whole house. Yeah, it's the only room with a good view. <laughs> yeah.
0: Of course, you got to have dinner at the opposite ends of the massive table as well. Very Batman 89. I think Richie Rich. Which was probably ripping off Batman 89. Yeah, probably. What'd you make of
1: uh, Maxim's sister, Beatrice?
0: She's all right. I think, her. is it her her partner here who who starts to badmouth? Giles. Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. DeWinter's because she's from the south of France. And then she comes in and she's like, oh, you're nothing like I thought. And he's like, oh, what are you talking about? She's exactly what I thought. Like, she clearly heard what you said.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. These people don't care what she thinks. Like, just because she's married to Max does not make her on their level. And they know that. Although I thought Beatrice was somewhat welcoming of her in her own way. I didn't mind Beatrice. I thought she was comforting for her. She's okay. got to say, when we see uh, Mrs. De Winter sitting at Rebecca's table where she does her letters in the morning and whatnot... It really did strike me how good Joan Fontaine is in this film. Like, I really bought her timid, shocked, scared, constant emotions throughout this film. Now, I understand why she was nominated for an Oscar. I don't think Laurence Olivier
0: is anything great in this film. Mm, I think he's. Yeah, I I think. Yeah, I think. I agree with you. I think she is the standout in this film. Yeah. And, you know, you see, you read the story about how she was, you know, basically bullied on set two. So it's coming from a different place as well. But it really, you know, really shows her, you know, how much she put into the performance. And you can see, especially when she changes as well. So when she gets that confidence, like at this point, she's just everyone's just in her face about oh Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebecca. She was so good. She was she was the best. And you know, you're just this new person's coming, and you can just see that she's just so she doesn't want to step on anyone's toes. She's walking on eggshells over everyone. She doesn't she doesn't know about this lifestyle. She doesn't know how to handle it. And, and they're not helping at all. I mean, some of them try.
1: I think the the only one that's not nice to her is Mrs. Danvers.
0: I mean, Frith does a couple of things that sort of throw it in her face, like. Oh, well, the former Mrs. De Winter, she did her her letters in the morning in the other room. She's like, oh, oh okay, well, you know, in the I'll morning go do it room. there then. That's it. So even so, she smashes this statue and she doesn't want to tell anyone. So she picks it all up and hides it. She's so intimidated by it. She doesn't, she doesn't realize that she, she's the wife. Like, she's these the boss. People work for, yeah, they, yeah, they work for her. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Uh, they're having this. Having they're having the dinner. Like the, the the sister and that are over for dinner. I can't remember who said it, but someone says to her. I can tell by the way you dress, you don't care how you look. I'm like what the fuck?
1: Yeah, it's it's Beatrice. She's yeah,
0: like, come on.
1: Yeah, it's a really nasty thing to say. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it didn't come across when she said it as as nasty as as it was. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. And even talking about her hair, like, complains about her hair. And it's like, oh, has oh. has Maxim not asked you to change it? And she's like, what's wrong with my hair? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, put it back behind your ears. No, wait, that's worse. <laughs> Which is odd because, like, this, this actress is clearly very pretty. Yeah. But they're making out like she's nothing. <laughs> like, was she
0: miscast here? Maxim does it too. Like, in the scene, like, basically coming up, where... First off, back in the car at the start where he mentions don't, you know, wear the black black dress and pearls. And in this scene, she's wearing black dress and pearls. He even says to her, the hair, it's very nice for a change. Like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
1: now we get a trip to the beach. Yes.
0: I mean. He's pretty reluctant to not go down there.
1: Yeah. He clearly has an issue. Yes. He knows that the wife died and drowned. This is an incredibly timid woman, but this is the thing she decides to push him on.
0: Yeah. Nope. Let's go to the water. And they go down to that little beach area, and there's that crazy bloke there. Now, why <laughs> why would you just walk into that oh, place?
1: I know. When she's yeah. like, oh, do you have something I can tie up um, Jasper with? And then walks inside this cottage. I'm like, because I thought it was this guy's house.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, what is she doing? <laughs> It's like the start of a serial killer movie.
1: And then she actually finds
0: some rope
1: that she can take. I was like, "Oh, come <laughs> on."
0: <laughs> no, but she goes in there and she sees a whole bunch of Rebecca's old stuff, like the stuff with her name stitched in, stitched into it and so you can see that they haven't really let go of this of this former wife again.
1: Yeah, I mean, her her uh, she's everywhere.
0: Yeah, I must say at this point the ov- yeah, the looming presence of Rebecca here and the mystery of her drowning as well I was very intrigued as to how this was going to go because, yeah, bugger it if I can remember anything.
1: Yeah, but Max Maxim's very angry here. He yells at her as he does. He mm-hmm. says that if he had, if he had, if she had his memories, she wouldn't go there either. Which I thought was a good line. Uh, yeah. And she's crying, and then she realizes the handkerchief she's using to wipe her tears away have the big R on it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't get away from it.
1: And then, okay, so we get this scene with uh, Crawley here, and he's this really nice guy. Like, he is really trying to welcome her here. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's telling her, to, you know, don't compare yourself to Rebecca. You know, you're not Rebecca. That's fine. But Mrs. DeWinter here really does want to know more about Rebecca. Like, she's really pushing for, you know, Rebecca info. And she asks him, just answer me one question. I won't bring it up again. Just tell me. I've got to know. What was she really like? What was she like in, in real life? And his answer, she's the most beautiful creature I ever saw. That's <laughs> it. A- oh. Wow. <laughs> Glad I have the complete picture then. <laughs> again, she's nothing to sniff at. Like, no. what is going on here?
0: <laughs> this is where the statue gets revealed that she was the one that did it. Uh Maxim starts to question their their marriage. Where did the line like no one will gossip about her come from? From her, like, what is that? What was she even implying there?
1: Well, she's saying that uh, Maxim only married her because she's a safe bet that she can be left around the house, you know, without him, and he never has to worry that there's going to be gossip because she's so ugly that no man would want to be with her.
0: But there also had to be some sort of hinting that they were doing that about Rebecca. Like Rebecca was prime for gossip. I don't know maybe. What, and I, I guess that's what gets him you know super annoyed as well. I like the, I like how they shoot like they shoot him here like the the he's standing in front of the projector so that light's gone behind him and it's just like there's a very faint little bit of light cut like getting certain parts of his face so it's, like it's pretty dark and the way he looks is pretty menacing hmm.
1: yeah, they have a lot of issues though uh, if you ever find yourself telling your significant other, like, our marriage is a success, right? A great
0: success. We're very happy, <laughs> aren't we? Aren't we? So, uh, uh, you're in strife. So, what does he do? He, he takes off for uh, just the day?
1: Yeah, he goes to London for the day, which I read is physically impossible. Yes. Uh, considering where they are. <laughs> Even with modern roads and cars, I saw.
0: Is this where you, you got your ghost story back again when she sees the whoever it was in the- uh, the window of the west wing
1: 100% i was like oh yep. here we go we got ghost <laughs> rebecca finally <laughs> showing herself that's <laughs> no, Danvers.
0: but even here like she sees that someone's over there so she goes over there and she's still like hiding behind doors and that to listen to people like she's not she's it's not her doing house. herself any favors here it's her house yeah but we meet uh, rebecca's supposed cousin favel 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 apparently he went to the west wing and met
1: her Favle on the, other side of the
0: window cell. Oh, I missed that. What'd you say? I said Fivel goes west. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, this makes a weird unit right here? Just walking a, past the window. He's a good old chap, though, isn't he? Yeah, sure. Until he's not.
1: So, Fivel is Rebecca's first cousin.
0: Yes. No. I'm pretty sure he is the other lover.
1: Oh, I'm 100 sure he's the lover. I'm just he's not the oh- cousin. They call him
0: Rebecca's cousin. He says, I am her favourite cousin with yes. a big grin on his face. Yes. What do you think he's going to say? Oh, I'm Rebecca's lover. Oh, you're saying he's joking. Yes. Oh, I actually think they are cousins. Oh, get the fuck out of here. There's no way. Where do, do you? Is, is your only evidence this one line? Is my only evidence that he
1: calls himself Rebecca's cousin? What do, well, what else is he going to say to her? I don't know. I thought he was having an affair with Danvers at this point. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Danny! Oh, I was like, <laughs> he, Danny he does
0: love to call her it's Danny." Like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> like seriously, though. Like, what were they doing together in the house?
0: What were they talking about? Well, they, they were just talking about her, weren't they?
1: Yeah, but they're so familiar with each other.
0: Yeah, so so Danvers must must have known about the affair.
1: Well, of course she did because she says it later that Rebecca would laugh at the two of them behind their backs. Like Danvers was Rebecca's you know confidant to a point
0: but was Danvers uh with Maxim before he got together with Rebecca like was she always working for him no
1: she came she came when uh Rebecca was a new bride they said
0: no cuz i feel oh uh, yeah maybe cuz she was talking about how she's the second longest person to be here and yeah but uh, whereas
1: whereas in the book in the source material Danvers was more like a mother figure to Rebecca like, she knew her from very, very young.
0: Yeah, it's Frith, who's the uh the person who's been there for longest. And I'm pretty sure that's where they say that he's known Maxim since he was a kid. Mm. Yeah. But we finally get a look into the, the big, bad Rebecca room. And man, does Danvers go super, super creepy and a little bit off the wall here. She looks like Morticia Adams. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, she goes on about, like, this room's been preserved since that fateful day. It's like, okay, you're starting to- freak me out a little bit.
1: And like the the hairbrush was like slightly yeah. in the wrong spot and she's like, "Oh, you've touched this, haven't you?" And then it's she goes she... through her underwear and like shows, yeah. "Oh, this is all her underwear."
0: She puts the brush back and then immediately picks it up anyway and pretends to brush her hair.
1: Yeah. And she'd stay up for, um waiting for them
0: every night, sometimes yeah. till dawn. She'd like- really thrown in her face. But I think this is where Mrs. De Winter's kind of uh, you know, gets a backbone. Look, find this a letter as well from Jack. This is our first hint that uh, Rebecca wasn't that faithful. Yes. And she goes full baller. She's like, I am Mrs. DeWinters now. It's a great moment. She basically could have gone, I am the one who knocks. Yeah, would have been good. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this scene. Uh, yeah. this At this point, this was potential excellent. <laughs> yeah, I've written
1: possible excellent here. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I really do feel, though, that she does. She definitely reverts back to her timid ways again.
0: Well, uh, Mrs. Danvers really fucks her over here. Yeah, she is a full-on bitch. Yeah, she's going to host a costume ball party here, and she does some decor, like she does some designs. Did she design a Joan of Arc costume? Yeah, Joan of Arc. That's what I, <laughs> I was said. Like, what?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but this this
1: costume party, and her big costume is basically just a a summer dress with this yeah. big hat. I was like, this costume sucks. <laughs> and looking at it, it was so obvious this was Rebecca's.
0: Well, when you got Danvers, he's like, why don't you wear this? Yeah, it's like, you can't trust her. And then when she wouldn't let
1: Beatrice see her, I was like, oh, come on. They're just waiting for this big reveal here.
0: <laughs> yeah. But here it gets t- t- such a spin. Basically just trying to coerce her to jump out the ba- jump off the balcony and kill herself. I'm like, Jesus. What is going on here?
1: Yeah, she goes she really goes to that next level. Uh yeah. Yeah, you got nothing to live for. It's so easy. <laughs> you yeah,
0: know. I honestly <laughs> didn't know where this story was gonna go. Like, was she gonna, you know, obviously not do it and then it's gonna be some sort of, you know, uh story to convince everyone else that this Mrs. Danvers is some secret psycho killer who's, you know, posing as this nice well not nice per this this regular person. I don't know I didn't know that it was gonna go to the fact that Max actually drowned Rebecca <laughs> Like holy shit Where's his plot twist for the third act
1: Yeah that was great uh, This scene where you get Rebecca Oh, So there's a shipwreck and they're all looking around And you end up with Rebecca and Maxim In this cottage where basically Maxim just actually opened up Did you call the- her Rebecca? Oh, I can't help it <laughs> The ghost of Rebecca looms large uh- oh, yeah.
0: She probably was in the
1: room Yes, the room where it happened, Endo. But when ah, they are together, when they are together, and uh, Maxim opens up, this is my excellent.
0: Yes, my previous potential excellent got overshadowed. Excellent. This uh, this monologue, this monologue is great. It just
1: completely changes the whole feel of this film, where you think mm-hmm. Maxim is this really sad guy who's just. Upset, no one will ever match, um, you know, to the love he felt for his ex wife when he says he hated her. I was like, Oh, this is awesome! That was a great moment, yeah. Totally re like it changes how you see the whole movie from that point and everything you've seen prior
0: because you haven't really heard anything about Rebecca from Maxim, it's all been from Mrs. Danvers and it's all been this positive light like, How good is Rebecca? She was the greatest and you never hear from the husband. And then when you find out, like, she was awful. She was the worst. It's like, wow, all right. Did not see this coming in the slightest.
1: And it's also where he says that he actually loves Mrs. De Winter here, because he never Mm -hmm. really has said it. Like, she's just pouring herself to him, um, but he's he's worried that she's not going to love him anymore because of what he's done, because he loves her. Yeah. It was interesting that the killing of... Rebecca is an accident in the film, whereas in yeah. the novel, it was a deliberate um, murder.
0: Well, you have to have the sympathy for the character, I feel. If you find out that he actually murdered her, uh, I don't know. Uh, if, and it finished the way it did, not, not too sure about that. Apparently,
1: there was another actor who was actually lined up to uh, play Maxim here, but got out of it because- You've got this good guy who gets away with murder.
0: Oh, so he must have just read the book. Yeah, but this Rebecca, she's so devious. It's like immediately after the wedding that she's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to be faithful. I'm gonna, you know, if you divorce me, you're going to be seen as, you know, this this bastard, and I'll take you for what you got." And even the whole because he cared uh, about his reputation in the house. Yeah, yeah. And she's talking about how you know the, I'm going to get pregnant. and It's not going to be not even going to be your kid. And we find out obviously later on that she she had cancer and she was she wanted him to kill her by saying this yeah but still
1: i want to know what she said to him four days after they got married that made him just a hate her. that was that horrified him so much because he doesn't say he doesn't oh, say. it would have been
0: exactly what they what he was saying there like on the top of that cliff where she's saying listen here's the deal right um i don't love you i've married you for money i am i will act like the you know the perfect housewife but you know behind this behind the scenes i'm I do, I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to go behind your back and cheat on you and do all kinds of promiscuous things and you're not going to do a damn thing about it. It's like, ah, uh, fuck. Yeah, she sounds terrible. No, but of course, the inquiry comes in about the boat. They have to do some investigations. He's up shit creek here.
1: Yeah, and I like that Mrs. DeWinter is really taking control of the situation here and telling him, no one knows except me and you. Like, if you just keep your cool, we're fine.
0: Yeah, especially when they, he mentions that, that you know he's going to go to the inquiry and- and she wants to come with him too. You mentioned earlier on like right at when they I think when he was proposing how she was ta- he was talking about remember I want to remember this when you know when you've grown up and he basically tells her here like at this point like i i can see in the last you know day or last hour or whatever last hours that uh, you've definitely grown up like you've become a much more mature mature person and they mm. have a very heavy embrace
1: for the 1940s.
0: Yes, Risqué, I'm su- I'm pretty sure that uh Alfredo would have been cutting that out of a uh, cinema paradiso.
1: Ah, uh, good old Alf it's probably too busy still eating those cats. Endo.
0: This this pays off for people who listen to these episodes in chronological order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: People who are just cherry picking. Oh, Rebecca, I like that. I better listen to that. And be like, what the fuck are they talking yeah, about? First time listener, like, what
0: the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so the inquiry. This guy who's basically interrogating him gets pretty quickly to the point. He's onto it.
1: Yeah. So they they they're saying that. Yeah, they're trying to. I guess one side's trying to prove that Rebecca has committed suicide here, and the the fiveall side is saying, "Well, she's not someone who would do that. There's no mm. way, and I've got proof."
0: Yeah. Now, Mrs. De Winter's faints here. Was it this? Di- I thought this was put on. Like she knew what was happening, so she does this as a stage. But no, no, she she's generally overwhelmed. And are you sure? Uh, I think so because even I one hundred percent think that this was staged. Nah, because even Maxim says like you should have eaten. You should have eaten this morning. He, he's not even clued in on he this. Says he says that
1: in the room where everyone can uh, hear them. I think them. he
0: says it. I think he says it when they're walking out to the car. Okay, I can't remember. Okay, but even
1: then, he might think that it was real. Yeah, right. It's not like he knows that she's fake. Fainted.
0: Yeah, but the way that the way it's shot and it's back and forth, like you can see her anxiety, like really starting to. To it creep up, like every single time they go back. Yeah, to Yeah, like because it was... he was
1: losing control, and she had to do something.
0: Mm, I can see, I can see it both ways, honestly. Like, I, you could be easily be right here. I mean, it's it's been done before, Hendo. Every once in a while, everybody gets one. Is that a robot chicken reference you just dropped! <laughs> no, it was a Spider Man.
1: Isn't that Spider Man robot
0: chicken? Nah, Spider Man Family Guy. Ah, uh, okay. She Danvers is really just out of the picture now, isn't she? Last Man, time we saw her, she was trying really. to throw her off the balcony.
1: Yeah, and now she's now you know the cousins bring brought her in to say, "Is there? You knew her better than anyone. Basically, is there any way she would kill herself?" And she's like, "No, nah, no way."
0: Yeah, she wasn't here at this point. Like she shows up towards the end of the interrogation later, but at this point, I'm thinking we had such a, a like a, such a huge presence of her, and this story was really shifting to her being this super villain. And then since oh, then okay. she's yeah. not even here. Yeah. yeah,
1: and he gets in the car with them and says, "Oh, yeah, oh, I wonder what it would cost to live comfortably a-, bastard. a year." Yeah,
0: <laughs> I just sell cars. I just, uh, you know, who wants to work hard all their life?
1: I mean, good on Maxim for you know calling his bluff and getting the police involved immediately, saying he was. Yeah, just well, if he accepts blackmail
0: the blackmail, yeah, if he accepts the blackmail, he's admitting the guilt. Yeah, and then Favel's really got him by the balls. Well, Favel, he gets a uh, super aggressive here, talking to Crowley as well, like, oh, you didn't get Rebecca, why don't you have your crack at the new Mrs. DeWinter's, hey? I'm sure she'll have a go at you. Like, calm down, mate.
1: guess that's just how they do it in that family.
0: They're not cousins.
1: <laughs> They're first cousins. <laughs> They're not, freak are. show. <laughs> yeah, I've literally referred to him as cousin in all of my notes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they go and visit this uh, secret doctor that she'd been uh, checking out.
1: I was surprised by the uh, doctor's information here i for sure thought she was pregnant i was not expecting another twist here
0: it's an interesting one uh it's probably like it has, i mean this has to be the only way to clear maxim's name i mean if it comes out that she was pregnant where, where does he go from here
1: i mean i don't think that's a nail in a coffin like, It's pretty close she can still she could still be pregnant and say well you know i can't handle this i'm gonna off myself
0: i mean it's it's it looks bad for him, as opposed to she had cancer. Looking bad
1: is different to you know legally binding.
0: <laughs> I mean, half of this stuff will never be legally binding.
1: Very casual how they investigate this murder
0: case, yeah, isn't it? It's all super hearsay. Yeah. Ah, oh, but all's well. But he uh Farwell just goes, "All right, sorry guys, see you later." So like, hang on, mate. <laughs> he yeah. gets off pretty lightly. Well, ah, I can't blame a guy for trying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next time around, buy a car off me, please. now <laughs> oh, they're heading back and. The Mandalay is burning down.
1: Well, yeah, because Cousin Fievel has uh, called Mrs. Danvers and told her what's happened.
0: Yeah, so she wants to, because she's so obsessed with Rebecca, uh, she she can't have it anymore and decides to burn the place down and kill herself. Yeah, not great. No. And that's the end. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on Rebecca?
1: I really like Rebecca. I think I give it a bit more leeway because it is a 1940s film. Uh, It is... A lot slower paced than, you know, more modern films, obviously. The first act is uh, a slog. But I think once they get to Downton Abbey, I think it really does improve. I like the dynamic with all the characters. I think the characters are really interesting. They're all very mysterious. Like, there's so much mystery in this film. And I was genuinely curious, genuinely interested in it. I cared about the new Mrs. DeWinter and I wanted her to be better. And when she finally grew that backbone in that scene, I was genuinely happy for her. Like, yes, finally. You go, girl. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed it. It is slow, but I understand why it got so much love. Yeah, this was the highest grossing film in the US in 1940.
0: Yeah, well, I looked at the best picture noms as well. I think the only two that uh, stood out to me were The Grapes of Wrath and The Philadelphia Story.
1: I'm surprised Gone with the Wind wasn't the highest grossing film again. (laughs) (laughs) Just kept going from the year before. (laughs) I mean, if ever there was going to be a film that was two in a row, it'd be that one. Uh, But yeah, I, I... Enjoyed this a lot. Uh, three and a half stars for me.
0: Okay. My first viewing, I went back and looked at my letterbox and I gave it a three stars. But let's be honest, you barely watched it. I think I mentioned it last episode that I watched it during our previous bet where I was trying to basically speed run through the IMDb Top 250. So I literally watched this film and then immediately watched the next film after it and didn't think about it again after that. So coming into this with basically a first-time watch again, uh, you mentioned the first act here felt slow. I did give it a pass, just because, and you mentioned it was because you felt like, you know, it was from the 40s, you tried to uh, think about it a little differently. I tried to think of it from the fact that I was taking notes at this point, and when you're taking notes on a a section like that, it ultimately doesn't, a lot of that stuff in the middle doesn't mean absolutely everything. I went back and looked at that as a whole, and if if I was just to be watching it regularly, I think it'd be fine. Like it sets up their relationship quite well. Uh, I wasn't bored in it. It was more just me taking the notes. So I I gave that section a pass. Heading into the rest of the film, I feel like the characters really start to evolve quite well. I really cared about Mrs. DeWinters and the problems she was going through and her gradual progression of her character from, you know, timid and shy to, you know, strong-willed and ready to take on the world. The way that part ends really with uh, Mrs. Danvers is like very shocking and I was very intrigued as to what was about to happen and when it makes that sharp turn into you know uh, what actually happens with the the reveal of Rebecca and, and who she was as a person and how that all transpires leading up right to the end I w- I, I really enjoyed it like it, this goes for over two hours I didn't feel the runtime of this film I think it's quite pretty well paced I can see why this won Cinematography Award for Black and White the lighting in this film in certain sections uh, in particular the one I mentioned with Uh, maximum at one point i think it it works really well the whole story overall is very interesting yeah i agree with you three and a half nice i was the best because the crowd loved me all right dean where is this going on your rankings
1: all right for me it's actually pretty easy uh hutchy's three and a half stars at number 53 i think this is better than hutchy uh at 52 we've got another really old film. it's a wonderful life and, and I like this more than It's a Wonderful Life. And next one is 12 Angry Men, which I give four stars. So, it's not going above that. So, Rebecca will be my new
0: number 52.
1: What about you, okay. Hendo?
0: Okay. I, I feel like this is uh, more of a stronger three and a half than a weaker three and a half. So, I'm going to start at the top of my three and a halves, uh Number 55 with Catch Me If You Can. And I think that Catch Me If You Can is better than this. Uh, we go down to My Neighbor Totoro. And I'm going to put it down again against Pars of Glory. And I think Pars of Glory is better than Rebecca. And then it goes up against the General. And I think Rebecca is better than the General. So I'm going to put Rebecca as my new number 58. Very nice. All right. Before we continue, we'd just like to say that this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for over two years now. How good are those patrons, Dean?
1: They are fantastic. And in breaking news, we have a new patron, Ben from Film Busters. Thanks so much for joining, mate.
0: We really appreciate your support. Yeah, Ben, we love your work over at Film Busters. You've been supporting the show for... A long time now, and it's yeah, it's great to see you joined our awesome patron team. We do have another weekly patron-only podcast we release, including different director series, such as the entire Wes Anderson filmography. We do specific films requested by our patrons, as well as several film series, and we are in the middle of our Scream film series, and we're just about to tackle Scream 3.
1: Yeah, I am expecting somewhat of
0: a dip. I'm just
1: really curious to see how shit this film can be.
0: Yeah, I have seen this film before, and uh, yeah, you're not far off. So if you'd like to support the show, we have several different tier levels with varying rewards and benefits from as little as a dollar a month. Just head over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is, and this could be it. Oh! Where we get our patrons to send in reviews of the films that we break down, and they didn't want to do it this week. Well, it's Rebecca,
1: so what are you going to do? Well,
0: we've always got a backup
1: here. A backup? I think that's disrespectful, Hendo. He's not a backup. He's a
0: sure thing. Well, I must say, this is a review from three years ago for Shane that we had to scrape out of the vault because he also did not put in a new review. (laughs) How dare you, Shane?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, from Shane. Rented Rebecca from the video store 20-something years ago. Watched it once, enjoyed it, and never saw it again. Today, I rewatched it, and it's not quite the film I remember. The drama plays out between Maxim de Winter and his new bride, both of whom are haunted by Maxim's dead wife, Rebecca. It's slow-paced, the acting is good, and there are a few twists and turns, but not as many as I thought there were. While it held my attention for much of the 130-minute running time, the film falls apart a bit in the last half hour and loses its appeal.
0: Okay, but not Hitchcock's best Three stars. All right. Fair enough, Shane. And we did put a poll out on Twitter asking, is Rebecca one of the 250 best films of all time? What do you think, Dean? No. 63%. Say yes. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. I didn't know there was uh, love for Rebecca out
0: there. Well, there you go. Now, looking at all the percentages that we've done for all the films so far over on Twitter, that actually puts it at number 21 out of all the films we've done. We didn't mention the top five from after we did a whole bulk of them recently, but our top five from five to one is actually Twelve Angry Men, Alien, Pulp Fiction, Saving Private Ryan, and Silence of the Lambs. Wow, Silence of the Lambs, number one. Yeah, 86.7%. Jesus. No, but we'll do this every week for every breakdown and see where they all end. All right, mate, it is time for
1: Answer My Question! The question, jerk!
0: where we asked you what is your favorite best picture winner from the golden age of cinema? So from 1969 down to the 20s, when they didn't do best pictures. What'd they do? The Academy started in the early, I'm pretty sure it was 1930. Uh, I think it was
1: 1927.
0: Pretty sure it was 29, actually. All right, let's take a look at some responses over on Twitter. First one here from the Moonlight Awards. Got to be Casablanca, I think, but there are a lot of good ones.
1: Next up from Kat. I still have six to see in that time frame. Gee, that's pretty good. That's really good. That's impressive. But for now, it's a toss up between all about Eve and the apartment.
0: Nice, okay. Marcel says, All quiet on the Western Front. It's an underseen masterpiece.
1: Jeanette Miller Mickenham says the hills are alive with the sound of music.
0: I think I think she's talking about the sound of music. You could be right there, Hendo. Dreams of Fear says, How green was my valley? And it happened one night. Nathan
1: Burt says either Lawrence of Arabia or the great Ziegfeld. And yes, I know how unpopular the last pick is, and I know I stand alone. I've never even heard of the great Ziegfeld.
0: I think I've seen it on a couple of best picture winner lists. Well, it did win best picture, Hendo. Well, there you go. makes sense. Phil Crusto says West Side Story. David A says Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, there's two for Lawrence of Arabia. John Nash says In the Heat of the Night and My Fair Lady. Tuyo says Rebecca. There we go. There you go. Bondi Steve says All About Eve. Have you seen All About Eve? No. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's on the top 250.
1: Okay. Chris says The Lost Weekend.
0: Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Even here from Tony. From Here to Eternity and Grand Hotel.
1: I think they're just making these up at this point. (laughs) Uh, Lastly on Twitter here from Ryan McQuaid,
0: Casablanca. All right, let's take a look over on our Facebook listener discussion group. If you're not part of the discussion group, join up. Lots of fun convos about all different types of film-related content over there, as well as a chance to win some sweet, sweet merch. We'll leave a link in the show notes. First one here from Michael O'Neill. Ben Hur. Surely he's joking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Must be. Uh, Next one here from the Facebook group from Scott Murphy. Tough one. I'm going all about Eve with Casablanca, Bridge on the River Choir, Lawrence of Arabia, and In the Heat of the Night, all not too far behind.
0: In the Heat of the Night. I haven't seen that. I really, really think I should. Okay. Why? Because they call him Mr. Tibbs. I think I might have seen it. I have no yeah. idea. Well, it's not in the top 250, I know that. All right, let's check in on our patrons. Chris lot from the Rough House podcast says, The Apartment. Have Did you see The Apartment?
1: I did see The Apartment.
0: Okay, I thought I got you to watch it a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, you did. Uh, next up from David Powell. It's a tie between On the Waterfront and Rebecca.
0: David, stop picking more than one. Nerd Revert says, it's Casablanca for me, although I still need to find and watch Rebecca. Chris Beardsell says, The Apartment. And last one here from Brother Shane. Oliver, but I've hardly seen any of them. Oliver, I hardly knew her. (laughs) He
1: loves Oliver though. I'm pretty sure he five stars Oliver.
0: Pretty sure I haven't seen it.
1: Oh, you're missing out.
0: Is that the, please sir, I want some more? It is. Yes. Nice. Alright, thank you very much everyone for putting in a response But Dean, let's get to our top 5 best picture winners of the golden era And as usual, we start off with you What's your number 5? I can't say I love
1: all these films Okay My number 5 is Midnight Cowboy
0: Alright Okay My number 5 is It Happened One Night
1: Okay Worth watching? It's on my list Ah, so is Midnight Cowboy on mine though (laughs) Out of curiosity, how many have you seen? Do you know the answer to that off the top of your head? I think it was like 9 or 10 Yeah, I've seen 9 and I'll, I'll give you a hot tip The worst is Ben Hur uh, My number four Bridge on the River
0: Kwai My number four is Casablanca My number three is Rebecca Ooh, okay My number three is The Apartment My number two
1: is The Apartment I thought The Apartment might be your number one
0: No, my number two is The Bridge on the River Kwai My number one is Casablanca And my number one is On the Waterfront Okay Okay Alright, and considering our number ones were On the Waterfront and Casablanca, unlucky David Power for putting in two picks with On the Waterfront, Rebecca, because you're cancelled out because our winner this week is our newest patron, Revert, with Casablanca.
1: Well done, Revert, for having good taste in film.
0: Yes, well done, mate. We'll get in contact with you and send you out some sweet, sweet merch. And if you're interested in getting your own piece of movie journey sweet, sweet merch, we have our own shop over on Public. You can go pick up a t-shirt, a hoodie, coffee mug, plenty more. We'll leave a link in the show notes as well. We're
1: both masters. Who won?
0: How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our pod V pod 42 draft between us and JDM Brendan at the intercession film podcast on our draft on 2004 films. Now, just to reiterate, we were team one and we had Spider-Man two, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy, Shaun of the dead, saw and Shrek two.
1: Ah, uh, Saw, so good pick. Uh, in session had The Incredibles, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind,
0: Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Kill Bill Volume 2 and Before Sunset. Okay, let's take a look at some responses here. First one from Dan is not the problem. Team Movie Journey. I'm thinking Saw puts them over the top.
1: That's right, Hendo. Did you hear that? Yep. Did you hear that? <laughs> Saw was the reason we got them.
0: It's funny that that was the very first comment.
1: <laughs> uh, Brian Clarkson says. Team Movie Journey wins due to rewatchability. You got Shaun of the Dead, Anchorman, Spider-Man 2 and Shrek 2, which all rock. Also, Saw kind of lags behind, but it's still the oh. best of that franchise. <laughs> oh, that's not saying much. <laughs> really liked Eternal Sunshine and Kill Bill 2, but only want to watch the latter
0: again. All right, so what happens next? Says, Shaun of the Dead and Spider-Man 2 instantly had me on Team Movie Journey. Can't ignore the weird powerhouse that was Shrek 2 either. Carlo says, probably Team In Session, even though I haven't seen Harry Potter. Maria
1: Emma goes, Team Movie Journey. Nick at the Epic Film Guys says, Team in Session, fuck you, Nick, has one of my favorite (laughs) movies of all time, so it's absolutely
0: no contest. I'm pretty sure that's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Rob Manafield at the Everything Racing podcast says, Team movie journey all the way.
1: Amateur Cinephile
0: says, This isn't
1: even close. Team in Session has some of the greatest films of all time.
0: Amy Smith says, No brainer. One of the best Pixar films, the best Harry Potter film, top tier Tarantino. Gotta be Team in Session. Cinema Recall says both teams had great picks, but Team
1: In Session knocks it out of the park for choosing Eternal Sunshine. The Incredibles kill Bill Volume 2 and
0: the main reason, Before Sunset. Oh, there you go. Brad of the Cinema guy says tough choices, but Team Movie Journey with Shaun of the Dead and Anchorman secure my vote. Nerd says Eternal
1: Sunshine and Shaun of the Dead are two solid anchors to build around. There isn't a bad movie in the bunch. Saw and Before Sunset are probably the weak ones. for each team and wash each other out. After that, you have the best Pixar film. Quentin Tarantino at his best. I have to say, Team In Session.
0: All right, well thought out there for your reference. Podcast says Team In Session has the best offering. Cinema Roulette
1: say Team Movie Journey has more films I'd want to rewatch. Both have great options, but the emotional weight for something like Eternal Sunshine is hard to rewatch compared to Shaun of the Dead. Did you ask which of these lists is most rewatchable? We're getting a lot of
0: uh, which list is more rewatchable here. I think that's what people want to look for in their criteria. Chris at the Rough House Podcast says, This one was super difficult, but Spider-Man 2 is the best non-MCU Marvel movie and Anchorman is God-tier comedy. Sorry, kiddo and Harry. Team Movie Journey wins. Aliana Silvermith says, Team Movie Journey. The choices are movies that I I watch in regular circulation. There you go, rewatchability. Duty at the Shake and Not Nerd Podcast goes, Team Movie Journey 100%. Well reading movie says,
1: I'm gonna go team in session on this one. Harry Potter three is my favorite of the series by far. Gotta love the Incredibles.
0: Alright, last one here from Christiva St. Germain. Team in session, no question. Alright, let's take a look at the results here. And in a fifty-five percent to forty-five percent victory, it is JDM Brendan at the In Session Film Podcast. Well done, guys. Well Took done. down the draft, but it was all in vain because we had already won Pod V Pod 42 by winning the first two rounds. So Bad luck overall, guys, but right on on the draft. There's this tournament.
1: Let the tournament begin!
0: All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the final 32 in our awful, awful film tournament we're doing here. Let's take a look. First match here, the Cat in the Hat takes out Daddy Day Camp, 60%. Next up, Cats takes out Jaws the Revenge, 60%. Mm, cats, Cats is going far, I can see it. The Hungover Games... Losers to Crossroads, 51%. Thank God for that.
1: Ugh. Battlefield Earth still going strong. Defeats Rollerball with a 64% victory.
0: All right, we have Pluto Nash against Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd. And it's Dumb and Dumber that takes it down with a 55% win there. Uh The Love Guru up against Troll 2. Gee, I'm surprised at this. The Love Guru won with a 67% victory. Yeah, that's a massive win. All right, we have Son of the Mask against the Master of Disguise, and Son of the Mask is heading into the final 16,
1: 54%. We have Glitter up against Captain America, and Glitter just by the smallest of margins. Pips, Captain America by the smallest of margins.
0: All right, we have Beverly Hills Chihuahua against Barb Wire, and Pamela's still going strong. Barb Wire, 55%.
1: Nice. Mac and me up against the Wicker Man, and the Wicker Man wins 55%.
0: Okay. A couple of big dogs getting knocked out here. Speed 2 against Catwoman. And it's Catwoman that takes it down 56%. Dragon Ball Evolution takes on Jack and Jill and Adam Sandler, reigns Supreme, 65%. All right, we have Holmes and Watson against Vampire Suck, and Holmes and Watson takes it down 61%.
1: The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas loses to Jaws 3D,
0: 55% victory for Jaws there. All right, we have the battle of the movies here. We have Epic Movie against the Emoji Movie, and it is the Emoji Movie that wins this one, 56%.
1: Lastly here, we have Julie up against The Room and The Room wins
0: 56%. All right. So we're down to our final 16. 16 terrible films. Let's see what the matches will be for next week. First match here is The Cat in the Hat against Cats. We also have Crossroads taking on Battlefield Earth. Okay. We've got Dumb and Dumberer versus The Love Guru. Son of the Mask versus Glitter. Okay. We've got Barb Wire against The Wicker Man. Catwoman takes on Jack and Jill. Ooh, that's a shit match. They're all shit matches. Holmes and Watson versus Jaws 3D. And the Emoji Movie takes on The
1: Room. I honestly don't know what's going to win this. Who knows? They're all, I mean, some are worse than others. So, what's next? All right, Hendo, I'm very curious. How could you possibly follow up Rebecca?
0: You know who, who we haven't spoken about in a very long time? My mate Mads. Mads Mikkelsen. Because we're going The Hunt. Hunt? Yes. Wow. Mm. That's some film, Hendo. It is. It's a film I saw a while ago, and I'm, you know, it's been on this list ever since the start of doing this podcast, and I've always had it there, like, yeah, I might, I might watch it this time. No, no, let's pull back and do another one. But now's the time. We're going to do it. Okay, sounds good. All right. So thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode, and we will see you next week for The Hunt. Bye.